Okay, up now with Brad Ward, we're doing our usual game day coverage, all eyes on Cleveland, crossing over with the OBR Film Breakdown. Love to do this uh, you know, for game days. I think it gives some good information and, and, a, and a speedy uh, a speedy element here. So, um, all right, we're going to start, Brad, with our usual weather, but I am very caught. We have gotten some serious flack for this. <laughs> we, I mean, between the preseason game that, that caught rain, week one catches rain with this cloud over. I said before the show, I think we just predict rain no matter what the number is, and then if it doesn't rain, we're not in trouble. I think that's probably the best way we go about it. Just say what the weather forecast tells us, and we'll go from there. Let's do it that way. We are not... It's a disclaimer. We are not held responsible for any weather miscalculations, um, you know, by your local meteorologist. Here we go. Totally agree. Uh, so I've looked a couple different places just to be sure here. And uh, but AccuWeather, right? AccuSure. This is at the stadium in Pennsylvania uh, by the hour. So just as a forewarning, okay, Jake, you as well. Mm-hmm. Let's just everybody get out there. It may rain tomorrow during the day. They expect most rain to be cleared out by kickoff. In fact, according to AccuWeather, there is a, (laughs) this is almost laughable, but there is a 0% chance of rain at 8 p.m. in Pennsylvania at the stadium tomorrow night. So, all right. um, Yeah. uh, Hard to believe, but that's what it's, that's what it tells me here. So, uh, 64 degrees is going to feel a real feel of, uh, 62 degrees, seven mile per hour winds, west, west, northwest, uh, gusts up to 10 miles per hour, humidity at 68%. It can get as low as 50 degrees tomorrow night, but probably not until, uh, the wee hours of the morning. And hopefully this game is well over before then. Let's hope. All right. We're, we're saying there's always a chance, but the number there is, is a chance. Low. Yeah. The, the it may low. rain up till like, you know. Five, six o'clock, but it should be out of there. Well, just to give you an idea, there's a 22% chance of rain at 7 p.m. and zero at eight. So, okay, it's going to clear before the game, cutting it close. Monday night football coverage. I think we get the A team for the Monday night football crew, right? Who's on that one? Yeah. So, there's two games tomorrow night, which is interesting. The Staggers start. They're going to do this a few times this year in the NFL, but we do get the A team at 8 15 uh, Eastern. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Lisa Salters, which should be interesting. All right. And you know how Cleveland fans feel about Joe Buck. We do. Hopefully it's a peaceful endeavor. Let's talk betting real quick. And I'm talking real quick. We have some consistent numbers that we gave you last week. Our dart throws at first touchdown score didn't hit. Anytime didn't hit. But we did give you the Nick Chubb receiving prop and the Watson rushing prop. I really, Brad, feel like those are good numbers again. For, let's start with the over-under and uh, spread as it currently sits. You know, we're recording this on Sunday night, so it could always move, uh, I guess, in the morning. But um, give you give us that if you can. Yeah, it has kind of been dancing all over. It's been at one and a half. It's been all the way at three some places. I've been keeping an eye on it. It is at an even two, minus two. Uh, Browns are uh, laying the two in Pittsburgh, uh, which we'll get to more in a minute here. But over-under of 38 uh, 73% of the bets at DraftKings coming in on uh, the Brownies so far. So that's interesting. Uh, to your point about the the two props that we gave out and hit, the Watson rush yardage, Chubb receiving yardage, those numbers didn't move very much, uh, Jake. So I'm saying go back to the well here. Over 26.5 Watson rush, over 14.5 uh chubb receiving yards we like going back to the well there and the one that i that jumped out to me was uh in over 33 and a half yards 
Uh, kind of like the matchup there, him coming off of not a huge week or anything like that. That number seems a little uh, deflated. Okay, good stuff for you there to take. Uh, is there a dart throw first touchdown score we like from the Brown side? Um, not sure we have to get crazy here, but if they're going to be down Amari Cooper, potentially, we do know that he is traveling with the team to the game, but there's still always cautious concern about two days before a game, a groin tweak. But I feel like Cedric Tillman might have a good number in this one. What? 45 to 1, Cedric okay. Tillman. That's uh, spicy, right? With him maybe getting, uh, as I wrote about today, and as you mentioned on Twitter, that, you know, maybe getting uh, some fill in duty there, right? I think it's interesting. 45 to 1. Is there a, a longer shot down near the bottom that you want to throw out? No, I like Aikens again at 50 to 1. He's always in play there. Um, Harrison Bryant also, uh, actually, Harrison Bryant 55 to 1 got in the end zone last week. Those are those are the ones, right? Tight ends are, are popular here. Um, and I think that because of uh, Cooper's injury, 45 to 1, Cedric Tillman is, is spicy. Okay, I like it, especially if they if they don't change up some of those uh, numbers, right? If if they're going to adjust, maybe Cedric Tillman, right, from a sure. perspective of of Cooper not playing, we'll see. So maybe get in on that early when you wake up and yeah, listen to this. Maybe get it now, now. Yeah, I want you to cover the trends because we all feel like the Browns have the better team. They are healthier in key portions of their team, but this is no ordinary game. Like I don't I think I, I we've been stressing this, right? I I think we've been stressing it. But what I want to do is put the level of uh, unique to the odds being against the Browns. I want to kind of put it in all in one precise package, Brad. I know you have this all written up, talked about. We've talked about some of them, but some of the others are not there. So if the Browns are to go get this win, here's what they're overcoming. So go ahead and, and, and lay those out as best you can. Yeah, it's a lot, right? There's a lot working against the Browns here. Um, I'll be real quick, but I listened to my favorite gambling show and they were like, how can you not choose Pittsburgh here? The, the entire flow chart is pointing towards Pittsburgh. So, <laughs> um, the, you know, based, based on trends and, uh, you know, the, one of those is, you know, just a week one to week two thing where a team loses, gets trounced like, uh, the 49ers do the team loses by 21, the Browns win by 21 in the last 10 years, uh, 60% of the time, the team that lost, uh, wins the next week. Uh, that's over the last 10 years. That's a large, you know, sample size. Uh, then you've got, um, you know, Tomlin in a bounce back spot. I don't have that exact number, but it's a trend, surely with betters. And then we get into the history stuff, which is really overwhelming. So the two teams uh, all time, right? 78, 61, and 1. Uh, last game came uh, on the 8th of January last year, 28 to 14, Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. So along with that trend, the Browns have only won one regular season game in Pittsburgh. Uh, in Akershire Stadium or in their current stadium. And that came uh, in 2003 when Kenny Pickett was five years old, Jake, yep. uh, which is uh, remarkable. Uh, Tomlin himself is 25-6-1 against the Browns. Um, the Browns have not started 2-0 since 1993. Um, Cleveland is favored in Pittsburgh for the first time since 1989. Uh, while playing, uh, let's see here, 
jump that's over jarring. that. That's jarring. 1989 since they've been favored there. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? You know, it's nuts. That just speaks to Pittsburgh's consistency over such a long period of time of being a respectable franchise. So, yeah, keep going. Let's let's I mean again, I want to we will if the Browns get it done, we're going to revisit these in the post-game show, so continue. There's more, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, so, the Steelers also because they started this year with two home games back-to-back are uh, uh up against there's more trends the Browns are up against. Steelers are attempting to avoid their first 0 and 2 start since 2019, but uh, they have not opened 0-2 when their first two games were at home since 1952, Jake. Uh, yeah. And then the one that is really jarring is the Steelers are 20-0 at home on Monday Night Football all time. I mean, that is jarring in itself. I mean, that's just not the Browns. That's everybody. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot working against the Browns here. The regular season record. Right, the two and zero record; those are like the the internal ones that the Browns really have to get off their back. Like, I think Delpit did a double take, and he was like, "We haven't won in that stadium." Uh, yeah, like when they asked him about it. So did MJ Emerson. He was kind of like, "We haven't gone two and zero since 1993." So, yep. uh, they were shocked. Some of these guys don't know, right? And that's a good thing, I think. It is a good thing, but there is some some serious data here that they have to overcome, and that would be just a welcome flip to what have been trends for decades. I mean, we're talking decades. You're talking about in, throwing out in 1989s and all of that stuff. We know what the odds are here, and I, I just think it's really good to put those all in one place. So those are your trends that the Browns are trying to overcome as they, as they go to Pittsburgh uh, on Monday. We'll see if they're able to do that. That's going to be, I think, pretty important to their season this game. Uh, it sounds silly to say, but doesn't define anything but this has a chance to be a springboard and it can for not just getting to 2-0 and but for this this vibe around some of these AFC North teams who have sort of packed their lunch right for so long and they need to uh they need to solve it they need to solve it and they need to solve it with with confidence and we think they have a chance so uh, should yeah. be good it's a really good opportunity to kind of exercise all of these like demons right um on a team that you know, once again, has a lot of new players on it and a lot of younger players that don't have a lot to do with the past. They are favorites. They're coming off, you know, a win. They have some 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 momentum. Um, I think they're a better team than the Steelers. I, this is like that opportunity to really kind of get rid of all this stuff so that we're not reading through these every time they play each other, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. All right, so let's see if they can take care of that. Let's switch over to three keys. So uh, with three keys... We are always looking to kind of lay out how we think the Browns win is the is the the angle here, right? Not both teams, just how the Browns win. Um, I'll let you hit first. So give us your first key to the Browns coming away with the victory in this one. Yeah, so I've got to stop the run, right? The in the uh Steelers loss uh 30 to 7 against the 49ers, they abandoned the run early um and uh never really went back to it. Um, and it has to be a bigger part of their game plan. That's kind of who they are, right? Um, I think, you know, I actually think Jalen Warren is the more explosive of the two backs. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of him this week than than last week. But either way, I think that uh, they will have an emphasis on trying to establish the run against the, uh, a Browns pass rush that looks devastating, or at least did in week one. So, um that's a key. The Browns have to be able to stop the run because the Bengals actually got the run going for a little bit week one, and then they kind of self went away from it. You know what I mean? I do. Uh, yep. They tend to, they tend to do that. Uh, sometimes it's kind of a 
thing with them where they get something going with the run or with mixing, but they want to go back to the past before they can really take advantage of what they're going when the run. So first key, stop the run. Yeah, it's huge because Pittsburgh will be down. As we know, Deontay Johnson, perhaps with a limited George Pickens, you start to talk about, well, okay, what do they want to do? Maybe they want to double up with these tight ends, Friar Muth. They want to get, you know, some, some strength out there on the football field to, to go ahead. Like last week they were, uh, I, I believe if I saw this correctly, the fewest rush attempts in the NFL last week. So, uh, yeah. you know, you have to be, you have to think they're hankering to get that figured out and, and try to stay in front of the sticks, right? Not put themselves in those long down and distance situations. So um, definitely a key to the Browns coming in with the victory. I put my first one and most importantly, I think they have to win the edges, right? So to me, not only is this a conversation around how they play, you know, the, the, the youngster, plays you know i think we talked enough about dewan jones handling tj watt but not, probably not enough about the importance of what you're going to get out of jedrick wills against alex heisman but also the browns need to be devastating right the pittsburgh offensive tackles dan moore i think is is the is the right tackle you're getting uh chucks a core for i think is playing left you, you're just or i think those two could be flipped i apologize for that they are flipped so the Browns need to be dominant. They need Miles and Zadarius need to be really good so that the conversation is less about those guys on that side, more about the Browns devastating Pittsburgh's attack. And, and I think that the Browns have a chance to really make Pittsburgh extremely uncomfortable. I think you would agree with me on that. Uh, you know, as a lot of smart people are saying uh, some, some great praise about this defense. We'll see if there's anything Pittsburgh can delineate and pick apart, maybe take advantage of something the Browns didn't understand they were doing wrong in week one, but um, the way the pass rush can get after people, you hope that that trend can continue. I think they need to win the edge, and and I think both sides of the ball are considered there. Yeah, the tricky thing there is, right, like you want to help somebody, and it's, it's like going in, you don't know which side you're going to need to help more, right? And that's kind of where I've kind of been like going back and forth, like to your point about the edges on the offense side of the ball. Like can you chip to help DeWine? Can you, you want to chip and help Jedrick? But if they're both failing, uh, that's where the trouble begins, right? It is. It is exactly where the trouble begins and can be a bit tricky uh, because, you know, do you keep two in to help there, right? I, mean, yeah. I think that's important. If you keep two, then you're only getting three out on routes. And if you're only getting three out on routes, then you start to get into, you know, you don't have enough to beat drop coverage. Uh, it's just it can get overall really dicey. I think, and and that's what you're afraid of is not having enough route game answers because you're too worried about protecting, and then you put yourself into some some really uh, really tough situations on third down where you just don't even have enough answers there. They're going to be on islands. I talked about it, you know, with the last point, you know, uh, with who you help and how you help them and winning that battle. It's it's just can you be good enough on those islands to make it so you can get a football thrown downfield? That's going to be the challenge, right? All right, let's get to your second one. All right, uh, my second one is make them pay. Listen, I, if I am Mike Tomlin or if I my prediction of what the Steelers' approach to this is is going to be uh, they want to stop Nick Chubb or Mr. Chubb, as he called him all week. Uh, you know, I think we will get more. They played a lot of base last week, I think, and I think they'll play a lot of base this week on early downs, and I think they'll be having safeties up in the box. They're going to come with heavy boxes to chop, stop, pardon me, chop and stop Nick Chubb. Uh, and uh, Watson's going to have to throw it well. Loosen up those boxes. He's going to have to make them pay. This is a great opportunity for him to quiet some doubters, but mainly also uh, to loosen up that run game. He's going to have to do it. He's going to have to make them pay because the Steelers are going to make him beat them, I think. 
And along those lines, my second point, which builds off of your point there, which is they have to hit an explosive. Like they just flat out have to hit an explosive. They missed on two of them. Um, they had another opportunity that they didn't throw. So there's a, in this game, I think points are to premium. If Coop misses the game, if you are potentially going to see, you know, we know Deontay's out. We know maybe Pickens isn't at a hundred percent. Otherwise he wouldn't have been listed on that, you know, scouting or sorry, that injury report uh, in any form or fashion. You know, I just think points are going to be at a real premium and getting one real explosive for a big game that puts you into a position, whether that scores on that play or puts you deep into the Pittsburgh territory is going to be really paramount. So I'm calling for one explosive as you know, I, I really do think that there's a chance here that they could hit one. And I think they're eager to try to hit one. They were week one, and I expect them to be that way week two. Yeah, great play design week one. Just just barely missed on a couple there. Uh, so think think one's coming, or at least I really hope so. So uh, my third key here, Jake, uh, is they, you know, they coughed it up twice last week, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A tipped ball that looked like a really bad interception, but was actually tipped. Um, and then, you know, you had Jerome Ford cough one up in the rain. Um, they didn't really pay, have to pay for him because the defense was so good. Uh, I, you know, Pittsburgh, this is a totally different story. You're on the road to in a hostile environment. You cannot turn the ball over here on Monday night football, especially with everything working against you that we already talked about. So that's my third key. Yeah, I can't turn it over. I think there's a huge need here for run game. Efficiency is going to be my last one. If we're kind of pivoting on what the offense is going to look like, if they're going to be more of a throw situation because they're, the situation dictates it, Pittsburgh is putting them in that position. I do think that there's still a world where you can have some really strong run game efficiency that helps you build. And what I mean by that is I'm not asking for the explosive I referenced earlier to come in the running game, but I am saying I would really think that if you can be a team that runs for five yards a pop that is very efficient in the run game, then you have a real chance to be able to throw some of your play action stuff, some of your RPO stuff, some of that stuff that is a part of your bread and butter to create easy yards. If the run game is effective and Pittsburgh's constantly worried about it, we know how good Cam Hayward is and he's not going to be out there. I think Keanu Benton is fun, but he's not, you know, he's years away from Cam Hayward, right? He'll disrupt a play here or there. And I think again, he's a flashy rookie, but I do think run game efficiency, unlocking the ability to pull the second level with play action is uh, is going to be really important for them to stay out of. You do not want to be in Pittsburgh against those two edge rushers in a high, high volume of third and seven or more. It's just a it's a deadly outcome. And I and again, I think that playing this game where Pittsburgh can make a couple defensive big plays and they did last week, Brad. You know, yep. there were three TJ Watt sacks that created turnovers off of that. They they did yep. that. They cannot, the Browns cannot afford to, um, you know, have that happen to them and expect the same type of outcome. Again, McCaffrey ran it really well, but there was a 75-yard run where he sort of spins out of it, the perfect spin move at the perfect time. And I'm, I like McCaffrey a lot. I'm just not certain I can say that that was 100% intentional at the timing. It kind <laughs> of was a bounce off of that player sort of scenario. Yep. And credit to him, it was a fantastic run. But I just, um, I don't know that that was the the, the point. Again, you, 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 I would love the Browns to rip off a seventy-five yard touchdown run. I'll never argue that. But I don't want them to be a one negative one, two 
to one rushing approach and then you hit one for 40 and you're like, oh, look, they've run seven times for 40 yards. They've been fine. Now, that's not efficient. I need them to be an efficient run team without Cam Hayward on the field. Yeah, to your point, uh, you know, the, with the crowd noise, you you can envision it right now, and we've seen it a million times. The loud crowd, the the guys, you know, uh, mugging the gaps and uh, you know pressure coming off the edges with Watson back in shotgun and on a third and long is just not a, an equation for good positive things for this game. So it is the single biggest advantage they can have when when teams are on the field. I don't fear much of Pittsburgh having a huge leg up, Brad, uh, in, in when their offense is on the field in any situation, even short yardage, right? The single biggest situational advantage for the Pittsburgh Steelers will be third and long. Yep. Or if the Browns are buried, somehow they fall behind 13-3 on the scoreboard. That's when those guys up front, their two preeminent st- studs, uh, their edge rushers, are at a real advantage and you want to keep those two as much run pass neutral as you possibly can. And I think that's going to be really paramount to the outcome of this game. So I will, uh, I will leave it at that. I think that we have described how the Browns win this game very effectively. Brad, is there anything else you want to hit on, on the way out the door? No, man. Uh, you know, it's an emotional one, big one for the Browns, uh, internally. I think like you said, a springboard in a way to, uh, you know, kind of it proved to themselves that week one was not a fluke and, and to everybody else. And and I think that there's a lot to be accomplished here, like to your point, where they have the advantage here, I think, for the most part in a lot of scenarios. So if you can take advantage of those, uh, this could be a really, really big game for this team. Really big is as big as a week two can get. Not because, you know, this is like two teams here that are both one and oh and you know, think that this isn't, I wouldn't even put it in Chiefs Jaguars territory, but for the Browns, it is because yes, it is, it is a chance to redefine some negative history that we've seen for so long. And there's already been some redefining by giving them the opportunity to be a favorite, right? And some things like that. So going out and getting that win on top of that to hush the demons, you already got past some of the season opening woes in the past two years, both the Panthers game and opening at home with a win it's time to continue to bury some of these things if you want to be who you think you are who we think they are they have to start burying some of these things so it should be exciting to watch uh I will remind everybody on the way out the door I always do OBR uh, community is one of the best out there make sure you join it one dollar for your first month to test this out and make sure that we are well worth your time both Brad and I contributing there at a pretty non-stop basis and then Rate and review the podcast for both of these pods. We always appreciate that. Helps helps Browns fans find the podcast when they search for Cleveland Browns on uh, any podcast network. So we appreciate it for Brad, for me. We, we very much hope we get the weather right and you're not mad at us. Uh, we, we're, we're trying our best. So uh, hopefully that goes well. And you guys have a fantastic Monday leading up to your Monday night. And kick back and enjoy some Monday night football. It should be a fun game. And the environment should be great in Pittsburgh. And uh, the Browns are busting out those all-white uniforms, so hopefully they look pretty clean Ooh. on your TV, and hopefully they play pretty clean football as well. So we're excited about it. We'll have all the post-game coverage, even late, as late as it'll be. We will have some post-game coverage on the OBR YouTube and Twitch, so check that out. Stop by. Brad and I will be there. Andrew Spade and Mike Keefe will also be there. Who knows? Maybe some other special guests will pop by. But until then, enjoy your Monday Night Football. Thanks for stopping by this podcast. We appreciate you, and go Browns.